We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino. It is my esteemed privilege to be your host on this audio affair. I do it with a good friend. You know him as D2 Dolomite Dave Martinez. He joins us right now. Hello to you, sir. Hello, and uh, welcome to the uh, to the podcast. And we are excited because we are just mere a couple weeks, maybe less than, than two weeks away from the AJC Petrie Road Race, the 50th running of this uh, hugely popular 10K. Hugely popular indeed, and that is an awesome reminder. This is our pre-Peachtree episode, D2, one of the things we were conversing about. I do not want to miss an opportunity to share this information. Seems like over the weekend, you found at least some of your race day attire, and unlike years gone by when you and I might be testing new products that aren't yet in the market, or we have products that are exclusive to those of us who are Big Peach Running Company team members, you tested a product you had wonderful things to say about this product, and now it's out there for everyone else to consider as well. Do not hold that information to yourself, my friend. Please share it with the rest of us. Right. Well, you know, we have gotten you know a lot of new Run ATL shirts and and tanks and and short sleeves, and that's kind of what we've had for the last couple of years. But new this year is we have what is a true technical singlet. And it is a custom-made piece that, that we had produced, and it's we've got three different styles, uh, three styles for men, three styles for women that are all patriotic, red, white, and blue uh, in some sort of combination. So there will be one that is more of a red and then more that's more of a white and then more that's more of a blue. And I you know, was curious and, and grabbed one and uh, went out running with it this past weekend. And one of the first things I noticed in picking it up is that how light it feels and how soft it feels. And sure enough, while running it, I ended up putting you know, somewhere about seven or eight miles on trails, and it felt awesome. It didn't feel like I was wearing a shirt, uh, even uh, through the sweat and everything, that it never felt weighted down by the sweat. And even when I was done with the run, it felt um, not like it was completely dry, but unlike where some shirts that you're wearing, it just it feels like you could you know, wring out you know, the sweat. This was was you know wet but it wasn't like dripping with sweat um so it breathes really well and i was really impressed with it uh this is a brand new uh you know company that we're working with and i i'm excited about you know the possibilities and the designs that we can come up with in the future so these are available right now at all seven our stores um, we'll have them online uh, they're currently online right now and if we have anything left over uh, we will be having them at the expo, um, so I do expect to sell through quite a bit of them um, in stores and online. And so, if if you can't get to the stores, you know, hopefully, cross your fingers, we'll have some still available uh, at the expo, which we'll be at. And you know, we'll have a bunch of other products you can pick up well, as you pick up your uh, race numbers for the Petrie uh, Road Race, uh, including you know gels, any type of nutrition, uh, you know, you know. Phone carriers, bands, and race number, you know, uh, holders, whatever you need, we'll, we'll have. We'll have, uh, if you're interested in looking at, uh, at GPS watches, we've also, we'll, we'll be partnered up with Garmin. Uh, we'll have Brooks, Hoka, and Ultra. We'll all be there as part of our uh, expo uh, setup. So um, we'll ha- we've got a lot of great stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's gearing up. It will certainly be busy for sure. It is on. We will be busy. We'll give you more details about the expo as well as some other helpful reminders at the conclusion of our featured conversation in this pre-Peachtree episode. But we are super excited for the conversation we're going to have today. It is going to be especially meaningful for those of you like D2 and me who do have to think about alongside those miles that we do, what we are consuming, what are we putting into our body, what our nutrition plan is we have and before i give you her name some of you will 
immediately familiar with her, a registered dietitian, a brand, uh, just an absolute board certified specialist in sports dietetics, someone who is known internationally for her work and a best selling author. For those of you who are close with nutrition and where some of the best information comes from, you've probably already guessed that we are talking about the one, the only Nancy Clark. She put out a number of years ago now her sports nutrition guidebook. It has become a reference guide for me and so many others, 500 plus pages of information that is unmatched on almost anything that you can imagine. And this summer, the sixth edition comes out around July 19th. The sixth edition of Nancy Clark's sports nutrition guidebook will be in the market for my purchase and yours. But that gave us an opportunity to sit down with Nancy to ask her some very specific questions, not just about peach tree or weight loss or weight management, but a wide variety of topics that I know will have information that you not only can use, but that you can share. It was a thrilling conversation for me. First time we had connected in over a decade and it did not disappoint. D2 and I are going to bring you that conversation uninterrupted right after we get back from this brief message. Congratulations to everyone that got into the lottery and will be joining us and the rest of the 60,000 participants on July 4th. Now is the time to start thinking about what you'll be wearing down Petrie Road that morning or later that evening enjoying the fireworks. That's why we have the Patriotic Asics Gel DS Trainer 24. There are limited qualities available for pre-order and we expect these to sell out. We also have Patriotic Run ATL shirts available now online. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com and order your Patriotic gear and suit up for the 4th of July. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. This is such a treat for me. And D2, you and I were talking beforehand. This is maybe the episode that I've been looking most forward to all year when we put Nancy Clark on our hit list of people we just had to talk to and bring on to this audio affair. It was for personal reasons that I had to admit I can always use both coaching and some additional inspiration to keep my nutrition plan in order and top of mind. So now almost as a public offering, but very much a personal indication of what I need help with, we do have Nancy Clark with us. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks a lot for inviting me. It's an honor. Well, and and many people may not remember this because this was quite a few years ago, and I mentioned this to Nancy before D2 fired up the mic, but we had her in our Marietta store over a decade ago now, and hopefully the same thing will be the case in this new medium. When podcasts were not a thing, we had her in person in Marietta, and I will tell you, I don't think I've ever seen a clinic or seminar audience as much in rapture with everything that she had to say because she not only knows her topics so well, but she just says it with such a level of authority and understanding that it comes together as something that we can take with us and put to you. So Nancy, what I'm going to do is put the list in motion. This list is these topics that when we think about all that you've done in and around nutrition, and all that you've done in and around nutrition for athletes and athletes of every level, whether recreational or professional, whether an Olympian or someone who's just getting started, this list is hopefully somewhat reflective of the questions that they would ask, just like what we saw in Marietta over 10 years ago. So for a good place to start, let's start with that person who is that new runner. As you may know, very quickly approaching is the AJC Peachtree Road Race, 50 years young this year. It's going to be quite a celebration on July 4th. But like every year in those 60,000 runners that come to the start line, there are plenty of people who are doing that for the first time, perhaps getting to that start line in a way that suggests they've engaged in this pedestrian active lifestyle for the first time. And you are a true authority. You've written a book on how to get it right as a new runner with your nutrition. So for someone who now has two weeks until the start line of their first ever 10K, let alone Peachtree Road Race, what are some of the things that you would kind of coach them or say to them and have them think about over these next 10 to 14 days? I would have them think about food as fuel. Unfortunately, a lot of runners just think of food as being fattening and, oh, I'm doing all this training because I want to lose weight. And they try not to eat 
but in reality, people want to either be fueling up or refueling. And if weight's an issue, <clears throat> you know, you eat less at the end of the day, so you lose weight when you're sleeping, but not trying to lose weight when you're trying to train NK or Petrie or whatever it is that's on your agenda. So, you know, to I, I just clearly remember talking to one runner who said, why would I want to eat before I run? I mean, it's like I'm trying to burn off calories and lose weight. And it was just a total, um, I mean, it, it, it was just amazing that they never thought about food as fuel, but saw it as being fattening. And if they're lighter, they'll be better. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes if you feel better, you, you run better. And I, I, I sort of like to separate weight out of that equation when it comes to training for a race. Well, and I'm not going to let you separate weight entirely from this conversation, but this book that I pulled out as a place to start, Nancy Clark's Food Guide for New Runners, has all kinds of information in there. And we will allow you to separate weight for now. We'll come back to that as we talk about your new book. But one of the things that is really unique about the peach tree, of course, is the temperature that in all likelihood will be the case the morning of July 4th. And I know you in that book talk about both food and hydration. So if we could take you almost to your own pre-race routine at 6 or 6.30 on July 4th, you are towing, at least in my imagination, the start line. What would you suggest perhaps that 90 to 60 minute lead into the race look like for that new runner with their diet and perhaps even with their hydration? Well, what runners want to know is that it takes about – 45 minutes to an hour and a half for fluid to pass through the body. So the race starts at, you said, 6.30? Well, it's a 7 o'clock start this seven, year. Seven but I know there's a, with 60,000 people, as yeah. you can imagine, everybody is up early and trying to figure out how to get yeah. to the start line. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So if, you, if you're in your corral at 6.30, then you want to drink up to 5.30 in the morning or maybe even – five in the morning so that you can tank up beforehand and then that'll give you time to get rid of the excess fluid and then right before the start of the rate again you can take another sip of water so you want to start out well hydrated and a lot of people say how do i know if i'm well hydrated on on a day-to-day -day basis you want to pay attention to your morning urine so when you wake up in the morning and pee is that urine really dark, concentrated, scanty, smelly? And if it's really dark, concentrated, and scanty and smelly, then you're starting the day dehydrated. So you want to, um, you know, prevent that from happening by making sure that you're drinking enough during the day on a daily basis. You should be urinating every two to four hours, and the urine should be a, a light color um, and not dark and concentrated. And so prior to the race. You, you maintain proper hydration. So then on the day of the race, it's not as you're not digging yourself out of a hole beforehand. Well, and, and a lot of us will be digging ourselves perhaps out of a hole, depending on what our training is, but there's no reason to dig get deeper right before the race starts. Or folks who have done the training and put in the hard work, no sense in making a pre-race error with that hydration or that food. So that's that's great advice. For those of you who are just getting your first sampling of Nancy Clark, I will tell you that there is a book that is, quite frankly, the Bible as I would see it in sports nutrition. Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook has been out for quite some time in various editions on July 19th, the latest edition, the sixth edition will be published. And for those of you who have not heard of this particular book in the past, not only is a terrific read with so much information, it's an unbelievable in the way that I have come to use it as a reference guide. Truly as that guidebook, it indicates it is where we can go and find the pages that are reflective of how we're feeling or what we're wanting to do. Before we talk specifically about some topics in the guidebook, Nancy, you've had this out for quite some time, sold going on three quarters of a million copies around the world. You're internationally known for the work that you've done. What was the genesis for you before that first edition and to compile all this great information and get it all into one place? Yeah, I, I never thought of myself as an author. It, my my book writing career started when I was just starting as a sports nutritionist, 
in 1980 and I had this empty office and it's like, how do I, how do I get people in here? So a friend of mine suggested I reach out to the runners in Boston. And this was the time of Greg Meyer and Alberto Salazar and Joan Benoit and all these, you know, it was really Boston at its height of running. And so I, you know, reached out to all the different running clubs in the Boston area and said, send me your recipes. I'm going to write the Boston Runners cookbook. And then people started sending me recipes. And it's like, oh, no, no, I need to give them recipes and nutrition information. And, <laughs> and so it just sort of evolved and it it just took off. I mean, they're, they're, um, this was never particularly on my game plan, but I'm just really, you know, I'm just really proud that you know, I've written a book that just organically has been very popular and there's been no major marketing campaign behind it or anything. But I, I, I listen to what people ask me and I listen to their confusion and I just try to address it with the facts, with science and translate it into this is what you do. Um, and so I found that through the years, you know, many people have really appreciated just the how-to advice of what do I do about breakfast? You know, what if it's a snack attack? You know, what do you eat at a restaurant? What do you eat if you're in the middle of a long run? Uh, how do you deal with salt tablets and summer heat and hydration? So, so it's it's really kind of a practical approach of trying to translate this confusing nutrition world that we live in today into like, what do you eat? Well, and it is, there's so much out there and it can be confusing for sure. The cover in the book in the past have said, and I believe this is an objective statement, the number one nutrition resource for active people. We talk about in and around Big Peach Running Company and the Run ETL podcast that we are for a pedestrian active lifestyle. So this is such a nice connect for what you've put into the market and what we aspire to do every single day. So now I'm going to go back to what you said. I'm just going to pull a few topics that I know our listeners would be interested in hearing more. And you mentioned, well, let's not connect weight management right away. But as you know so well, as we see in our stores right now, literally, as summer commences, there are people who are going to use running and walking as a weight loss or weight management routine. And just doing the miles, as I would bet you know, is not nearly enough or is not going to enable the most amount of success on a weight loss or weight management program. So first for that person who truly is trying to lose LBs, and maybe there's a difference between someone who's trying to lose a lot of weight and someone who's just trying to shed a few pounds. But alongside starting that running or walking routine, what are some of those tips that you would say just, gosh, they're part of what needs to happen to get the best results if you are serious about a little bit of weight loss alongside your running and walking. Yeah, I mean, if you're wanting to shed a few pounds, weight loss is really, it's a calorie game. And, and so you have to create a calorie deficit. If you just add on exercise, generally when people add on exercise, they get hungrier, they eat more, and they don't lose weight. So just adding on exercise doesn't do it. So you need to not only add on exercise, and you should be doing that for health and fitness and feeling good and stress relief, not to burn off calories, because then it becomes punishment. It's like, oh, I'm fat. I got to go burn off calories by you know, <laughs> yes. three miles. And that's not sustainable for the long run. So the E in exercise is for enjoyment. So you, you will better enjoy your run if, like I say, if you try not to run on empty, but you have a little bit of something beforehand, a banana or, you know, an English muffin or a little bit of something to fuel up beforehand so that you have the energy to have a good run. And the time to lose weight is at nighttime when you're sleeping. And most people diet at breakfast, diet at lunch, get too hungry, blow it at night, and then they get up the next morning, oh, ate too much, diet breakfast, diet lunch, blow it at night, get up the next morning, oh. So it's this vicious cycle of dieting by day and blowing it by night. So I find that a lot of active people really do well when they eat by day, and then they ruin their appetite so that at nighttime they're not as hungry. And that's where they chip away at a few of the calories. 
And so you don't reach for that bowl of ice cream or you don't reach for those Oreos. You say, no, I'd rather be leaner than eat more. And you go to bed. <laughs> and, and so, like I say, the reason that I separate diet and exercise is that you, you want to exercise for the rest of your life and you want to enjoy it. And you will enjoy it more if you if you're fueling appropriately. Um, and to know that weight reduction is really, it's a food thing. And, and so you want to fuel by day, ruin your appetite, eat a little bit less at night. And the goal is to wake up ready for breakfast. And if you wake up ready for breakfast, then you go, aha, I lost weight last night when I was sleeping. But you don't try to lose weight in the middle of the afternoon or you don't try to lose weight when you're running because then you're less productive, you're in a bad mood, you're hangry, life is grim. And then you say, oh, <laughs> forget it, yeah. Well, one of the things that you've done such a great job of is you kind of take our days and some of the things that happen and, and you weave your knowledge of nutrition and food into that. So thinking about a day and some things that are maybe a challenge for all of us on occasion, and perhaps there are others besides me who sometimes don't take into account how my dietary choices play into this. But you mentioned stress and that we all have this responsibility to manage it or live alongside it best we can. How is it that nutrition plays into a daily or perhaps understandable occasion, like when we are stressed or when we could come under stress? Well, food has a calming effect. So if you're stressed, when you eat something, it just sort of calms you down and it distracts you from the problem. So it, it's, it's, it's a really great distraction, but it doesn't resolve the stress. But if you are not, if you're tired and hungry and stressed, that's you're setting the stage for dietary disaster. So if you're not hungry and stressed, you can have a better conversation. Like, how much of this, how many of these cookies will really solve this problem? Will one do it? No. Will two do it? No. Will three do it? No. Like, will the whole bag of them do it? Like, don't start. Because there's, there's food as fuel, and then there's food as a drug. And you want to fuel yourself evenly throughout the day. So I see eating as a timeline, and you have a food bucket every four hours. So like on my schedule, breakfast at 7-ish, lunch at 11-ish. If you have lunch at 11, what do you do until dinner? You have a second lunch in the afternoon, like at 3-ish, and then dinner at 6 or 7-ish. And, and so if you organize your eating, like say, in four-hour blocks and evenly divide those calories, if stress comes along, like say, you've got the energy to deal with it and instead of you know being stressed and four o'clock in the afternoon when you're starved and then it's like, you know, where's the, where, where's the, uh, ice cream sundae? <laughs> you know? Um, well, and that's awesome advice. Cause I have to say, I hadn't thought about that four times four hours. And even if we're not right on point with every single moment, that gives us a pattern that we can follow because we know we're going to come under stress. You know, I look at D2 and I right now, as we come into the end of second quarter, third quarter is our busiest quarter for our business. Peachtree is obviously a huge initiative for our business. We have the largest percentage of our e-commerce sales occur in the month leading up to Peachtree. Mm. And it's coming, right? Stress is yeah. coming. And to be able to now take that pattern and put some real energy into following, I think can only be helpful. I'm going to stay here for a second, Nancy. And then what I want to do is weave what you've published in the past in previous editions, as well as some information that will be out in your sixth edition and what's released on July 19th. But if we look at this knowledge of eating patterns can be helpful for stress, are there certain things that you would say, whether let's say it's that 7 a.m. breakfast or let's say it's that second lunch in the middle of the afternoon. Are there certain foods or certain maybe even percentages of calories of our total calorie intake that you would recommend in those four buckets that you carved out so nicely for us? Well, we eat food. We don't eat carbs and proteins and fats. So in each food bucket, you need some sort of protein to build and repair your muscles. You need some sort of grain to fuel your muscles some sort of fruit or vegetable for vitamins and minerals, and some sort of dairy or calcium-rich food 
for bones and also keeps down your blood pressure. So for example, in your breakfast bucket, if you have cereal, milk, banana, and some nuts on the cereal or a hard-boiled egg on the side, that's like four different kinds of foods that, that meets all the different food groups. You know, if at lunch, instead of just having a salad, if you have salad plus chicken plus cheese plus croutons or bread or a wrap, make it a salad wrap or something, then you get, again, four different kinds of foods. So each bucket should have not just an apple, but apple cheese crackers. Maybe for it, that would be your second lunch. Um, so at least three, if not four different kinds of foods in each bucket. And I say by, by evenly distributing the calories into even-sized meals, you have even energy throughout the day. And so if you're crazy busy at work, come three or four in the afternoon when you're starving, you go, oh, second lunch. And maybe you have a peanut butter and banana sandwich. And does that give you the energy to get through the rest of your day? Plus, if you're running afterwards, you have the energy to run. And after that, you have the energy to do something called cook dinner instead of grab <laughs> takeout food. So it's the second lunch. I, I just changed that word snack to second lunch. And you're eating food um, and enough of it to ruin your appetite. Um, like everybody said, oh, my mother told me not to ruin my appetite for dinner. And I say, no, ruin your appetite to be a lighter meal. And then you'll be able to sleep better and you wake up ready for breakfast. And it really perpetuates a, a, a high energy lifestyle. So there it is, kids. You can go back and listen to that. But you can't just say, Nancy said it was okay to ruin my dinner. You have to be able to put it as eloquently as she just did, that you're doing it with purpose and for good reason. I know we started this question, Nancy, with a little bit of conversation around weight loss and weight management. I think the big buzz term these days, and there's information that's forthcoming in the forthcoming Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook, Ketogenic Diets. And I know everyone perhaps has an opinion on this, but there are very few that I would trust or would suggest speak into all of the conversation going on around ketogenic. You are one of those trusted voices. What is it that we can expect to see in the sixth edition of your sports nutrition guidebook? And what might you share around that buzz term with us right now? The, the bottom line is you really don't want to start an eating plan that is unsustainable for the rest of your life because then you're on a diet, off a diet. So if you look at the work that's being done with the keto, there's some really interesting work going on in terms of diabetes or prediabetes, you know, weight management, maybe even cancer, Alzheimer's. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting research going on regarding the ketogenic diet. But the thing is, it's, it's really difficult to live a, a social lifestyle if you're in ketosis, um, you don't have birthday cake, you don't have, you know, um, participate in a lot of social eating, which some people are fine with. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a rough diet in terms of it's a lifestyle. It's not just a diet. So <clears throat> I would say there are many ways to get to the goal. So if the goal is to lose weight, you want to fuel by day, eat lighter at night, chip off 200, 300, 400 calories at the end of the day, wake up ready for breakfast. And then you, I say, you, you can lose weight without going into ketosis. You can lose weight on normal foods. Um, some people like really strict regimens. It, it, they like rules, good, bad, you know, right, wrong, that sort of stuff. So for some people, that lifestyle works for them. Um, I would say that as an athlete, the keto diet does not has not been shown to really to enhance performance for people that are doing really intense exercise. So if you have elite athletes, they really need carbohydrates. So the the other thing about the keto diet is that it's, it's you know, pretty low in fruits and vegetables. And the question is, that all these gut bacteria, your microbiome, have a big impact on your health. And they live on fruits and vegetables and the fiber that's in grains. So if you're not feeding your microbiome, what impact is that having on your overall health? And I say there are a lot of questions that we don't know. 
a lot of answers that we don't know because um, the keto diet has only been used in very limited situations. But I would recommend that people that are concerned about weight and wanting to shape up their nutrition is that they meet with a registered dietitian, that they meet with a sports dietitian. And I know that there are lots of them in the Atlanta area that could really sit down and work with you personally and figure out how many calories do you need in a day to maintain weight? What's a good budget for losing weight? You know, how do you distribute those calories into your four food buckets? You know, what do you like to eat for breakfast? What's sustainable for you? You know, what are there foods that have power over you? Well, what do you want to do about that? And most people think, oh, you know, cookies, they have power over me. Well, when a food has power over you, it means you like it. Maybe you actually need to eat it more often and not try to stay away from it. Because you stay away from it, then you end up doing last chance eating. Oh, I just had one cookie. Oh, last chance to ever have them again. I better eat them all. <laughs> I mean, there's so much confusion that comes from dieting and denial and deprivation. So the, the keto diet just fits in with the cabbage soup diet and the low-carbohydrate diet and the high-protein diet and the banana diet and South Beach diet. Diets don't work. Eating works. People who eat are lean. People who diet tend to be heavy. And so do you want to be lean and be a good eater or do you want to diet and yo-yo on and off diets? And, you know, if you diet, you go on, you know, people eventually gain back the weight plus more, you know, for the most part. So I'd rather have people think about learning how to eat appropriately and when you eat appropriately and are appropriately active, your weight will gravitate to an appropriate weight. Um, so, and again, working with a registered dietitian, an RD, um, can help you out. There's a website, eatright.org, that has a referral network. So E-A-T-R-I-G-H-T dot org. And you use their Find a Dietitian Referral Network, put in your zip code, and you can find somebody in your area. Or, or, you know, talk to other people at the sports medicine clinic or at your health club and see who they recommend for a sports nutritionist. But nothing ever beats personalized advice. And people forget that there are professionals that can give you, you know, a food plan that works for you and your lifestyle. And you just don't have to grab at straws like, oh, I'll try the keto diet. I've heard great success. People have had great success from that, but success is, tends to be short term. If you look at the disaster that happens when the diet ends, like I know a lot of people who have just gained back the weight plus more because they run an unsustainable eating plan. Well, and, and a plan, I think, is a great place to begin. And then also it gives you in that personal conversation to be able to go back and say, how are we doing? on plan and make the adjustments. So we'll certainly put eatright.org in our show notes notes. That's a great, a great tip. One of the things that I've personally experienced, Nancy, is from your food guide for marathoners. That was a book that you put into the world in 2011. And for me, I was past what I would say is maybe my peak performance at that distance. But what I found is so, so much information that was helpful, not just in continuing to do marathons or do that distance, but some other races, even of smaller or longer distances. D2 and I share an affinity for ultra marathons at the same time. I know you have done marathons as well as enjoy a half marathon or a 10K. And sometimes that feels just as long, depending on how you prepare, depending on some choices that you might make the week leading into the race or how your body has responded or perhaps even with the weather conditions. But one of the phrases that I have come to believe identifies you so well is everyday champions. Even though you've worked with the Boston Bruins, even though you've worked with the Boston Red Sox and perhaps all kinds of other hated teams by people in Atlanta up there in New England, but we'll forgive you for that. Thank you. Thank you've you. worked with Olympians. You've worked with people who have gone on to be at the pinnacle of their respective sport, but your focus has been on what you refer to as every day champion. So someone who now is thinking, yep, it's Peachtree perhaps, but more so I'm thinking about a fall marathon or a half marathon or maybe even ultra marathon. And now they are that everyday champion and maybe they're sitting in your office and they are not going to digest the entire book during that initial consultation. But you are going to give them, you know, one or two tips 
given the fact that they are an everyday champion and they are wanting to take on a big likely achievement for them. What are those one or two tips that you would pull out of your own book and say, start here, build a plan around this? I think one of the most helpful pieces of information that I give my clients is what their calorie budget is. You know, when you go shopping, you got a bag of money, you know, just how much you can spend. You spend nickels, dollars, dimes, and quarters. When people go eating, they have no idea how much it's okay to eat for breakfast. Like, you know, is an English muffin enough? It's 150 calories. I mean, if you put peanut butter on it, is that being like decadent? What if you had English muffin and peanut butter and a banana? I mean, and a yogurt, is that like being piggy? So if people know what their budget is, then they can eat enough breakfast, enough lunch, enough second lunch. And then, like I say, dinner will sort of fall into place. Um, so, again, that's where working with a dietitian can be really helpful. Because then I take that budget, and most of my female clients need 2,000, 2,400 calories a day. And if they want to lose weight, they're losing at 1,800. So that's 500 for breakfast, 500 for lunch, 300, 400 for second lunch, you know, 400, 500 for dinner. And they've been trying to lose weight on 1,000 calories or 1,200 calories. And when they do that, they starve themselves, and then they get too hungry, and then they blow it. I mean, hunger is physiological. And I, I think the, the biggest tip – Runners get hungry, and hunger is physiological. And to think of it this way, if I were to stick your head underwater and keep it there too long, you know, when you popped up, could you breathe normally? No. <gasps> You'd be gasping for air. That's physiological. And the same thing happens with food. Oh, if I, you know, if I'm a lighter runner, I'll be able to run better. So I'll have a cup of coffee for breakfast and I'll have a lettuce leaf for lunch and I'll lose weight. It's like, no, you get starving and then you overeat and it's physiological. And, and so when by giving people their calorie budget, giving them permission to eat and having them fully understand the physiology of hunger, they realize that they need to lose weight just by chipping away a little bit at the end of the day and not by like, you know, slashing their calories to try to exist on as little as they can. So I think that those would be two main takeaways. Well, those are those are awesome. And one of the things that I, I hear you, whether it's through examples or just through casual reference, you know, you said birthday cake, you said is peanut butter on my English muffin decadent. You're very capable of referencing these items that some of us would just naturally think, okay, well, the conversation today is with Nancy. I mean, I will tell you that normally I have coffee sitting next to me when I am doing my research or having these conversations. I think it was because of my own perhaps lack of self-confidence, I put the smoothie next to me prior to starting this conversation because I'm talking to Nancy Clark today. But you seemingly understand that as human beings, we just have these areas that are perhaps a little bit less likely to be that food of choice. At the same time, not something that we're willing to completely remove from our existence. In your new book, you've got some things that I think very much speak to that. And I'm going to go ahead and put myself out there. D2 and I have already on this podcast admitted our affinity for craft beer and for the events that now are just everywhere where you're pairing alcohol with an event, whether it's the finish line of a marathon or whether it's the headline for a local 5K, having beer or wine, having a start or finish at a brewery or a winery is commonplace. Help me better understand, even if you have to step maybe even crush my toes. I'm okay with that. What is the relationship, whether it's alcohol in general or certain participants in that alcohol arena that runners, that walkers, that active lifestyle livers should be mindful of? 
<laughs> moderation. Moderation. Okay, yeah. so let's start there. And, and moderation, obviously, you've got everything from the U.S. Surgeon General to other supposed experts who are weighing in on that. You've got things that when you show up to take your annual physical or you show up to have some kind of an appointment that you hadn't planned on having because you're sick or not feeling well or you need surgery, and you get these forms to fill out, and it seems like everybody's got a different definition of moderation. Is it that race directors have it right, that you should have two glasses, but no more than two glasses because it's how many tears you have in the bottom of your race bib in terms of what you get with your race entry? Or what is moderation traditionally? Generally, what's recommended is one drink for women and two for men. That's because, you know, women are smaller, generally live in smaller bodies and men in, in larger bodies. Um, but there's a lot of variation in how people tolerate alcohol. Um, the 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 good news is is that beer has enough water in it that it actually can help with hydration, whereas wine or spirits there's not enough water content, so it has more of a dehydrating effect. But mm. if people are going to drink, first drink water or sports drink or something non-alcoholic. Get some food into your stomach to buffer the alcohol. And to enjoy the natural high of exercise before you drink a beer that like clobbers you like a ton of bricks and pulls you down. <laughs> so as somebody, one of my clients said, you know, Nancy, I'd much rather enjoy the natural high of exercise than have a beer afterwards that just like depresses me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, each person is different, but it is known that among runners and athletes, you know, alcoholism is a problem. It's and they're more you know, the rates of alcoholism or drinking are higher among athletic people than non-athletic people. So I, um, is, is, is it wise to get a sponsor for, for beer for a race? I mean, people do what they do, but we, we really don't want to promote that association. Well, and that's and that's exactly where I was just leaning into that. Do we want to get a sponsor? Heck, race directors will have to figure that out on their own. Obviously, it's a category that's become more and more popular in and around running and endurance sports. There was some start line advice, especially for those of you who will be going to Peachtree for the first time. There's some great finish line advice from Nancy right there. Is there a beer sponsor? Yes, there is. There's been a beer sponsor associated with the AJC Peachtree Road Race literally since its earliest days when Carling was the initial uh -huh. beer sponsor, if anyone can even remember that particular brand. So get your water first if you are going to have a beer afterwards to celebrate your accomplishment. Take Nancy's advice very, very seriously and get some water. Okay. Yeah. And eat something as well. Stomach. Yeah. Awesome. D2, I don't think we're too far out of bounds. I think we traditionally do that. And certainly we uh, will ensure that we take Nancy's advice with us. The other thing, Nancy, that I'll say is really interesting and I know is becoming a bigger topic and that's in and around sugar and different types of sugar as well as, you know, things like soft drinks and sweets and you reference things like even a birthday cake or, or peanut butter and there's a difference between, you know, almond butter or perhaps Jif or some other, you know, shelf brand on a grocery store. What is it that you would say for those of us who do have a little bit or perhaps even a lot of bit of a sweet tooth? that we should well, take with us for our own nutritional well-being. Yeah. Sweet cravings are the symptom. When people get too hungry, they tend to crave sweets. So you look at when you start to crave sweets, you know, like 10 or 11 in the morning, 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and that's when you're getting hungry. So if you don't eat a big enough breakfast that lasts you for four hours, you'll end up you know, craving something sweet. So sweet cravings are preventable by having bigger, heartier meals. Um. So I have had many a client that have come back to me and said, you know, Nancy, I didn't have a cookie all week and I didn't even miss it because they started having, they doubled their breakfast. They started having, you know, a sandwich and a yogurt at lunch instead of a salad. They started having a second lunch of, you know, apple, cheese and crackers and they weren't craving sweets because they had pre prevented themselves from getting hungry during the day. So the, the solution to sweet cravings isn't stay away from sugar. It's to have heartier breakfast and lunch. And you'll discover that when you don't get as hungry, you don't crave as many sweets. And that said, 
you don't have to have no sugar. The dietary guidelines say that 10% of calories can have sugar. So if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, 2,000, 3,000 calories a day, as many runners do, if they have 200, 300 calories of sugar, you know, I don't even blink an eye. I mean, granted, are there healthier things to eat? Yes. But as an athletic person with a physically fit body, the muscles take up sugar. It turns into muscle glycogen. It fuels the runs. And so the conversation about sugar differs if you're physically fit and can handle the sugar versus if you're pre-diabetic and unfit whose body can't manage the sugar. So the problem's not so much sugar, it's what does your body do with it? And one of the reasons for running and training and being in shape, being physically fit, is because it helps to regulate blood sugar management. And like I say, your muscles can more easily take it up so it doesn't pile up in the blood. So you can prevent sugar cravings by eating a bigger, heartier breakfast and lunch, and by being physically fit, your body can better manage any sugar that you do end up enjoy eating. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. That's both guidance and a little bit of permission, but I think it ties back maybe to what you mentioned almost at the onset that is so helpful for me, and that is establishing those eating patterns because once again, and certainly Nancy, correct me if I'm interpreting this wrong, and that is if I'm eating every four hours and I'm pulling from those food groups, there's going to be less likelihood that I'm going to have those cravings for sugar when I don't really need it or it's not really coming from a place that it's where I should indulge myself. And now I can kind of stave off some of that unnecessary, perhaps unhealthy, and quite frankly, unwise sugar consumption just because I've got this pattern and this plan that's in motion and I don't even know I'm missing it then. Precisely, precisely. But it, it like see, fundamental to this is knowing your food budget. And, and most of my clients require at least 500 calories for breakfast, 500, 600, if they're guys, active guys, 700. And so just start reading labels. And if you have an English muffin for 150 calories, just go, oh, no wonder I'm hungry. You know, Nancy says I need 500 calories. I guess I need English muffin and peanut butter and a yogurt. And then you get up to where you're supposed to be. And then you go, oh, wow, I felt good. I had energy. It lasted me till lunchtime. And you and you didn't have need yet another cup of coffee um, to keep you going because you had true fuel to keep you going. But it's just experiment. Be curious. You know, work with a registered dietitian and um, – you know, it's 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 a really good investment because we live in such a confusing food environment. You know, there the whole clean eating movement has brought in more confusion than ever, and and so my my words of wisdom are: there's not a good food or a bad food. Like an apple is a good food, but a diet of all apples is a really bad diet. So there's not a good food or a bad food. There's a balanced diet. And an unbalanced diet. And in order to know how to balance your diet, you want to meet with a professional, a registered dietitian, who can look, again, look at your lifestyle and help you out. Or in my sports nutrition guidebook, you know, I go through breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, weight management. How many calories do you need to wait for you to figure that out? And, and so um, either help yourself with professional advice or with a book. But if you're confused about what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, you're not the only one. <laughs> and, and there are answers to be found. Well, and there are so many answers. Again, I mentioned at the onset that your book and now coming out in its sixth edition is a great reference tool for me. And it rightfully indicates itself as a guidebook. For those of you who cannot wait for the show notes, nancyclarkrd.com, N-A-N-C-Y-C-L-A-R-K-R-D.com has all kinds of great information. For those of you who are like, man, I know people I should send this to because they're runners or walkers, I will tell you that those are not the only ones who can benefit. Nancy also has books for cyclists 
has a book for women's soccer, particularly timely right now with the Women's World Cup going on, and has so much information out there in her blogs and in other things that she's published for athletes of every kind, rowers and people people who are doing CrossFit, people who are doing strength training. Her knowledge is absolutely amazing, both in terms of the breadth as well as the depth. So please check out her website. Of course, that Sports Nutrition Guidebook, something I would recommend for every, everyday athlete, whether or not you pick up a copy that's already available or the new one that comes out on or around June 19th. Nancy, the last question, and again, this is somewhat personally motivated, but I hope has application to many of our listeners that I've seen you start to comment more on, and perhaps it's because you've been doing this for so long. Big Peach Running Company is celebrating its 15th year this year, so D2 and I have been doing certain things for quite some time. And we just get to that season where we start thinking about aging and what we can do to maybe fight back or push back on that a little bit more. And quite frankly, I know that there are 22 and 25-year-olds who are thinking like that because perhaps they're wiser in their years than what we were. And then there are people who are in their 70s, 80s, even recently for me, someone in their 90s that just inspire me so much because of how many things they're still doing, how many great things they're still doing for others. And you've become more vocal and become more expert on how to be mindful of the fact that we do age, but what we elect to consume and what our nutrition plan is can have impact on that aging process. And if we do not know how many years we have, we give ourselves the best chance to get the most out of the years that we have. So as we go to a break, what I'd love to do is recognizing that each minute that we spend together, every day that we all have, we are getting a little bit older, but there are things that we can do to take initiative and to kind of take a little bit of control. What is it that you would tell us for those of us who have that to think about on occasion? One of the keys with staying young is to eat adequate protein at each of your meals because as we get older, our protein needs actually increase. And so make sure at breakfast and lunch and second lunch and dinner, you get about 20 grams of protein. So that's like three eggs or it's Greek yogurt and um, nuts and uh, high protein cereal. You know, at lunch, it's a sandwich, not just a few lettuce leaves. Um, so just make sure that you're eating protein regularly throughout the day and do strength training. And, and so it's really protecting your muscles because the diseases of aging are really diseases of inactivity and overnutrition. So if you stay active and, you know, do some strength training and fuel and fuel evenly throughout the day, it'll really impact your quality of life and your ability to have fun in your later years. Because, you know, when you're healthy, life is a lot more fun. Like it's fun to be able to run Peachtree and, you know, the people that can't just because of bad health, they, they miss out. And, and so that's one of my, my missions is just to help people enjoy food, but enjoy a quality lifestyle and be able to have fun with food and fun with life. Wow, that's awesome. What a great way to go to a break. She is Nancy Clark, as in Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook and all kinds of other tremendously helpful information that she's put out there for all of us to consume. Again, the website, nancyclarkrd.com, the sixth edition of that Sports Nutrition Guidebook that we would highly, highly recommend you have on your bookshelf. will be out next month sometime around July 19th. Certainly, we'll put all this information in our show notes, but Nancy, maybe for the first time, way, way, way overdue since you came and visited us in the Atlanta area. I want to say thank you so much for what you do. It makes such a difference. I know it's so helpful to people doing just what you said, and that is another peach tree or getting the most out of life. So we appreciate you so very much. Well, thanks very much for those kind words, Mike. And uh, thank you again for the interview and inviting me. It is our pleasure, and hopefully we'll be able to do it again. We'll be right back after this brief message. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. 
come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast D2. We promised that that would be helpful and fun. We delivered, but I will tell you, there are these instances when we have these conversations, I feel especially encouraged, but then also to some degree, maybe just a little bit convicted in terms of how I can do even better, perhaps how I can do even more. You're someone who I've always had the good fortune of kind of having these conversations about being mindful of not just nutrition, but perhaps all of what goes into maintaining our weight and aging with, you know, a little bit of grace and, and perhaps comfort and You've seemingly taken some big steps forward over the last couple of years, and I know it's not been without real intention. So as you listened to Nancy and thought about your own nutritional journey, what are some things that you thought, yeah, here's where I seem to be achieving some success, or maybe if there's something that you're like, man, here's another spot (laughs) that I just still have some work to do. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I really, you know, just immediately caught on and that's like, well, at least I'm doing this part right because, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement is the four-hour blocks of when you eat. So, and my schedule is almost exactly to what she had stated because it's, you know, typically I'm eating breakfast at like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. depending on on, on when I run and uh, typically I'm eating after I run. Um, I usually hydrate and maybe drink, you know, uh, you know, a glass of water or half a glass of water. So I stay hydrated during the run and then go out and, you know, maybe do five or six miles. And then, you know, I'm having coffee and oatmeal. So that's usually around seven, eight o'clock. And then I'll kind of start feeling hungry again around 1030 to 1130 within that hour period. Like she said, 11 a.m. And, you know, I'll snack and, you know, if I happen to have, if I've gone grocery shopping and I've got like either a banana or mandarins, then I'll snack on those. If not, then I'll go to the good old standby cliff bar. Um, and, you know, then later in the afternoon, I'm, you know, typically going to snack on something, you know, uh, like chips and hummus. I know you are also, you know, snack on that as well. You and I share that ability for, for chips and hummus. And, Indeed. and then typically in, you know, dinner is where I'll probably, um, eat a more balanced meal. Cause that's the one thing that I admit that I've got work to do on is in, in the, you know, that throughout the rest of the, you know, the beginning of the day is that I probably am not eating quite as a balance uh, of a meal as Nancy suggested, but dinner typically tends to be a little bit more balanced where I am inc- including some, some vegetables, some salad, you know, some protein, some carbs and, and everything else. Um, and so it's a little bit more balanced for dinner, and that's kind of the, like the only time where I tend to really spend more time in, in a meal preparation than I do the rest of the day. And that typically is somewhere around 6.30 to 7.30 hour where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting off for the day. I'm going to you know, eat a meal and, and kind of relax and, and, and just chill for the rest of the day. Um, so that part I feel good about as far as my timing. Um, I'm not a calorie counter. Uh, I could definitely eat more, more uh, of a balanced uh, you know, meal, more, more veggies and, and salads. And, and uh, I, I think I, you know, there's room for improvement there. So, yeah. Well, there's room for improvement for all of us, but you've been terrific in the fact that I know you, even this year, we've talked about your marathon time even faster than what it was maybe a year or two ago, times that you said you want to lose a few LBs, you put yourself to that test and done just that. So a great model for me and for others, and certainly someone like Nancy gives all of us, not just many things to think about, but more importantly, very specific tips on how to get it right and how to make it work. Again, her website, Nancy Clark, 
rd.com. Thanks to Nancy for joining us today. This, again, being the pre-Peachtree episode D2, we cannot close without perhaps some guidance, especially for those who are first-timers or perhaps have forgotten everything from a year ago or whenever they last did this race. So much to take into account. Nancy was great in terms of giving us some things to think about relative to our food and hydration plan before the race. But there's more to that than truly mastering, not just managing some of the details, but mastering the details associated with the world's largest 10K. At the onset, you mentioned the expo. Any details that you would continue to tease out relative to the expo or any particular tactics or tips that you would give us relative to how you manage the crowd? I've got a few of my own, but uh, thought start with you. Both of us hopefully can give our listeners something to think about, and then we'll send everybody off to the start line and look forward to seeing them there. But anything that you would say everybody should really put top of mind. Well, for the expo, I mean, I think MARTA is definitely going to be the best way to, to get down there. I mean, it will be in the middle of the week. And uh, so there will probably be a lot of traffic, especially in the downtown area. So MARTA will probably be the best uh, way in, the, in, in more and at least the less hassle dealing with traffic. Um, so take MARTA would be my suggestion. And then also, you know, for the start of the race, um, <clears throat> as far as, um, you know, the expo tips, I mean, um, I think, you know, you got to have your, your confirmation number and an ID in order to pick up your number, uh, at the start. And then there's, if there's for any reason, there's any issues or you have any, any questions, they, I know that they've got a race solutions area and the, the folks at the Atlanta track club uh, do a very good job with taking care of any issues that come up, um, at, you know, at, at the number pickup. And then really it's just, you know, Wear comfortable shoes, uh, walk around uh, through the expo, take everything in. There'll be a lot of vendors there. I know Mizuno will put on uh, you know, a great uh, expo space. We'll, of course, be there as well. We've partnered up with, you know, um, we've got Hoka, Brooks, Ultra, Garmin, you know, as some of the uh, vendors that we partner up with. We'll have all your race day needs, so whether you need, you know, gels, nutrition, any type of hydration, you know, that type of stuff, we'll have there. We'll have a run ATL, um, you know, shirts that we'll have, uh, you know, available for sale. And, uh, you know, it's really just, you know, kind of enjoy it and have a good time. Uh, and, you know, try to reduce the stress leading up to Peachtree by not having to sit in traffic. Because I, I expect that during the week, um, it's not a weekend, so we expect there to be a lot more traffic, uh, you know, on a, I believe it's a Tuesday and Wednesday where uh, the expo will be taking place. And, you know, that's, that's it's still a work week, so there'll be a lot of traffic, especially during rush hour. Isn't that the truth? The expo, for those of you who are not aware of the hours, July 2nd and 3rd, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on both days. It is at the Georgia World Congress Center. It's in Building C. For those of you who might not have come to this on your own and you tend to say, well, traffic is what it is. Sometimes I'm on time. Sometimes I'm a few minutes late. If you did not have your bib mailed to you and you are going to the expo, you need to be there by 6 p.m. on Wednesday. They shut it down promptly. You probably could say, well, my goodness, why do they have to take such a hard line on that considering I'm going to show up early the next morning and cover those miles? Here's why I think you'll appreciate this. I know when I learned this a number of years ago, I certainly did. The percentage of people who are working at the Espo who are also towing the line, they have things that they need to do to get broken down, to get moved out of the World Congress Center. Everything has to be back the way it was before the expo started. And of course, that makes for a long night for those individuals and then an early wake-up call to get to the start line. So please, please, please be there before 6 p.m. on July 3rd. Numbers will not be available for pickup on race morning. D2 sensibly mentioned MARTA. That is not only the best plan for the expo, makes a tremendous amount of sense, if at all possible for you. On race day, the thing I would say, if you're going to take MARTA, go to atlantatrackclub.org. We'll put this in our show notes. There is information specifically about the peach tree you can find out not only what corral you have been placed but you can find out exactly where that corral is two different marta stations service peach tree that morning in buckhead getting off on the station that's closest to your corral is a favor you will absolutely want to do yourself many people also sometimes will 
choose to get off at Brookhaven, especially if you are in the later waves and then just walk or jog up to the back of the pack. That way you're coming to the race from the north, not having to fight all those crowds. As a parent who has run with his children in the past, even though they now are capable of doing it on their own, if you have someone you wish to run with, find out their corral. You will not be able to bring them to your corral. If you've got the higher seed, let's assume you are in B and your nine-year-old is in L and you want to be together, you need to go to L. They will not let your offspring who has an L bib in B just because that is where you have your bib. So find whichever is the last corral of anyone you want to be with, and that's where you should go first. It will save you both an unpleasant conversation as well as a lot of pushing and getting to where you need to be. We are so excited for this race. As D2 indicated at the onset, 50th edition. This is going to be quite a celebration for those of you who did not get an entry or, quite frankly, did not have interest in participating but are very much a part of the pedestrian active lifestyle that is so alive and well every single day in and around Atlanta. I hope you'll come out and take the invitation from the great city of Atlanta to be part of the fun by cheering on the tens of thousands of runners, walkers, and wheelers in this race. It's going to be a day that we will not soon forget. It's also, of course, the beginning of summer in some ways where we're past Memorial Day. This is our July 4th celebration that makes Atlanta such a special place to be on Independence Day. But it also means we've got many more summer miles to come. July, August, even September, all the way through Labor Day await. And D2 and I would say not just at the onset of the 50th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, but with every single day that follows, that we wish you and we thank you for doing so, living what we simply say is a pedestrian active lifestyle and that we remind you regularly that you should know that your best miles are those covered on foot. And D2, with that, I think it's only fair for us to wish everyone good luck to sign off. It'll be just two weeks but as we sign off i'll say it first good luck everyone at the peachtree road race you inspire us thanks once again for listening and we'll see you at the starting line on july 4 d2 may your best miles be those covered on foot awesome hey y'all if you enjoy our podcast let us know if you have topic suggestions questions or guests you'd like to hear on the run atl podcast emails at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com that's podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.